Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of the Euphoria Podcast. We're going to be talking about Fnatic G2 and Shalka versus Rogue. I'm joined by my babushka, uh, Froskren, and uh, also the two premier coaches in the LAC. Young Buck, you have a wonderful title. You're like the six-star general. Grabs, your players are all trolls, so the only thing that I hear you refer to as Mr. Grabs or Mr. Crabs on occasion, like, do you, is there a title that you want or aspire to? I like the legendary draft destroyer. Legendary? That, that, that appears on YouTube all the time. <laughs> legendary draft destroyer. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. All right. So the legendary draft destroyer, the six-star general. Of course, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or YouTube. I have to say it at least once an episode, and I forgot, so I'm putting it there. Um, so thank you both for joining. Uh you guys obviously got time away in round one to prepare for your matchup versus each other. Did um, you guys, Have you guys been practicing this entire time? Have the teams stepped away, taken a bit of a break? How have you guys been using the time? Uh, we've only taken a two-day break um, and then started practicing immediately. I know for G2 it's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we took up the entire week until uh, up to week nine off. Um, players went home if they wanted to, and then we actually practiced last week. Okay. So a bit more try-hard feeling. All right, I like that. I like that you guys are ramping up, and it's getting pretty try hard. Um, before we talk about your matchup, which I think is, you said it right before the show started, but the potential to be the greatest European best of five of all time, not to uh, overhype it or anything. King's Legacy Dynasty Dynasty. Um, I want to talk a little bit about round one. I had the absolute, I'll call it pleasure, but just overall, I'd say weird experience of casting Rogue versus Splice um, and witnessing, as far as I could say, all common knowledge die in front of my eyes. Um, so, just to put it bluntly, uh, what the f- happened to Splice? Like, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> from your perspective, assuming you guys are watching to figure out who's going and you guys both saw the series, like, what What happened? So, I would say, first of all, Rogue played the basics and fundamentals pretty well, overall. But it's also funny because I think Young Buck and me spent time saying how Splice doesn't make anything happen. So, we saw them not make anything happen for three games in a row. Rogue got leads and played them out correctly, and then suddenly it's a free zero. Um, that being said, though, we were in the same position last year where we seemed really lost going into quarterfinals against Misfits. Then we took time off, and then suddenly we were the old G2 again in Gauntlet. So I still think Splice, if they actually um, take a break and um, then talk about how they want to um, play the game out again, uh, will be good for Gauntlet for sure. Were you surprised? I mean, you guys obviously had that shared philosophy mm-hmm. of Splice being a team that doesn't do anything, which definitely reigned true. But was, was it surprising to the magnitude of which this collapse happened, Young Buck? Yeah, no, it definitely was. Like We were a little bit surprised they picked Rogue, but even then they should have pretty easily won um, based on them just having better individual players uh, and just having better fundamentals, like Grab said. I just don't really know what happened. I think one of the things that has hurt Splice is that there hasn't been much improvement over the split. I think they've been doing the same thing over and over. And yeah, if they don't make things happen and you lose an early game in this kind of meta, it gets really rough and Rogue somehow won all three early games. Turning to the other side, um, do you guys deal with Rogue a lot behind scrims? Like... Off stage, we actually don't scream rogue that much. They've not been like a high priority scream partner, to be fair. Where is their power coming from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like where, where, how did this happen? Where did this? Because I think people, um, there's been a lot of speculation as to like how good Rogue is, and people have obviously had a lot of good things to say about like a, a player like Larson, a player like Inspired. But to me, coming into this cast, I remember doing draft prep with Ender. And he's like, they literally never draft the same thing. I have no idea what they're going to do. It's all mediocre. I'm not impressed. And I was like, oh, okay. And then we come in, and yeah, they draft three different things over three different games, but they totally smash every single time. Like, wh- where the hell did this come from, too? I will say that we did nail Splice's draft every single time because they draft the same thing every <laughs> single time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, Rogue, I thought 
coming out of it, I thought that there was mental boon from from Splice. Um, and I thought that Rogue obviously made like big improvements and played really strong fundamental League of Legends. But for some reason, I was like, I bet something's happening in scrims where maybe Rogue are getting like really good scrim partners because a lot of the teams leave. You can only really scrim the teams around you that have stayed. So you're either scrimming like top end teams um, in the ERLs or you're scrimming, I assumed Fnatic and G2, but apparently not. <laughs> And I was like, that's probably what happened. They probably got great scrims and just, like, leapfrogged over. I mean, how much of the, like... So, right now, after that series, people are obviously very high on Rogue. They're like, Larson is a monster. Inspired is a, is a pathing genius. He's the new pathing Nirvana, right? Like, how should I, as, like, a European fan, be on the Rogue hype train? That would be my question for both of you. Like, should I be like, Rogue are insane now? Every single week, they triple in skill. They're like the Super Saiyans of, of League of Legends. Like, is this, is this now that Rogue are going to be continuing to contest the top, or do you feel like this was like a one-off series where Rogue played their best, Splice probably played pretty close to their worst, and that's like the only time this is going to happen, or should we expect Rogue to actually like contest Shalka in the coming series? Yeah, I think you can actually watch them contest Shalka. Shalka didn't have that great of a series against Vitality. It didn't look very... How, how do you say it's solid? And Rogue was actually just really solid all around, so why would they not be able to beat Shalka? No, I, yeah. I do agree, and um, I think, again, um, Splice didn't do much in the early game, so maybe Shalka is a bit more aggressive than um, if Rogue doesn't find themselves in these spots they can practice for and they know they can play out, it would be harder. So I think overall, if you like think for like against us, for example, I think the split is a bit too early for Rogue, but I think for sure if they stay together, um, for next year, at least, they will be really good because, again, they're all rookies. Um, players like Finn are really good. I think Vanda quietly is having one of the best splits as a support for a long time, and I think a lot like uh, rolls around him. Um, like also covering for Wuret a bit because, I mean, compared to like top AD, ADCs, he's not quite there. Um, so I think for sure they have the basis to be a really strong team. As Jambak said, Schalke was um, not the best against Vitality, so it could be a close series for sure. Yeah, the Schalke Vitality series was. You had a lot of strong words for it when you were casting it. Like, was that was that the most disappointing? So, no, it was supposed to be a tri-cast, and Vettius got sick on the day, and so it turned into a duo-cast, and Medic and I haven't duo-cast at all the entire split. I think we did it once because Vettius was also sick that day. <laughs> I remember, like, sitting down and turning to Medic. I was like, what the f*** are we supposed to talk about here? Like, we prepped all of these points for, like, Vettius and I to, like, bounce back and forth mm -hmm. on each other. And when we got into the game, and... Uh, it started out really bad to start with. Like, Upset gets uh, a triple kill, like, in the first two minutes, and that just sets the tone of a cast where we just went off the rails really fast. And then we come into, like, game two, we're like, okay, hard reset, very serious, playoffs, let's gear in. And the team just kept A-ramming, just kept running each other down. I was talking to Vettius in between the games. I was like, Betty, do I go hard or do I, like, back off? Because normally I don't like to flame European teams. Uh, fan bases, very vocal here. People don't like it, so I usually just stay really positive. Vettis was like, if you don't go in, you're a disappointment to your family. <laughs> and then there's that line where Vitality set up to get the mid lane tower. And I'm just like, this is what is wrong with Vitality right now. And then they just like feed into Akali. And that's what happened that game. I just got progressively more tilted. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I don't feel like I learned anything about either team from, well, Vitality played, I'm going to say results as expected. But Chalka did not feel quite as like clearly better than Vitality as I was hoping for. I guess looking at them, like when Spice collapsed, I was like, okay, guys, like looking at European Worlds teams, like Chalka are still fine. Everything's going to be fine. Origin are in the gauntlet. Everything's okay. And then I watched that series and I'm like, so can we like just send two teams to Worlds this year? <laughs> like, is that maybe Rogue can be the third one just for like the memes? But I don't know. I, 
is this indicative, do you think, of Schalke's, like, overall performance of what we should expect for them versus Rogue? Is this kind of, like, the sloppy, very messy? Or do you think that in the same vein that, like, Splice had a difficult series, it's just Schalke kind of, I don't know, trolling around a little bit? Um, I think it's, like, for some reason, Vitality still has this aura for teams that they can pull off a one, like, a cheese or something, and people respect them more than they should. Um, so maybe Schalke went in this series not saying, okay, they're going to end here, but... Um, be a bit more defensive and respect them a bit, a bit more, and therefore they didn't take the chances they could have taken. Um, so I give them the benefit of the doubt, especially because they looked like a strong team going into playoffs. Yeah, I think we can expect more from Schalke. I didn't think they have a really good series. Uh, in practice, they've been a lot better. Um, yeah, having said that, Vitality should have won that series. They, they had game two, three, and four in the back, but I felt like some players just wanted to go home early. It was that bad. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. There we go. I mean, that's brutal. And that makes me so sad for those guys because uh, obviously, like, very tough. And Nothing I said was as mean as that. That was mean. It was mean. At least there was no specific names there. Yeah. You were definitely calling out people by name <laughs> on cast. I was just very specific about who wanted to go home early. <laughs> I'm just saying people have a lot closer personal relationships with Towers than I expected from any other series. Um, that's pretty much it. Who do you expect to be joining uh, both of you in Athens? Is it going to be is it going to be Rogue or Schalke? Some soft predictions heading into the week. I'm going to predict a three two for Rogue. Um, yeah, for Rogue. Yeah. For Rogue. Yeah. Hell yeah! All right. Okay. I mean, you're probably the one who has to face them, so you can choose. <laughs> oh I, 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 I don't really mind who's going to be. Um, I think both have a shot yeah. to go there. Yeah. What? Were you see the thing is is I remember a Grabs back in the day who was like who was more humble, who was more reserved, who was like my players are developing. You know, I'm coaching a mediocre team. This is how I have to present myself. And I, I, I are you, is this, is this, is cocky grabs here to stay? Or is this like you're only as cocky as long as your team is um, I clearly? Think, I think it's fun, especially because the whole team has this aura just around them. And <laughs> so they're corrupting you, okay, is what you're on saying. On a serious note, though, I think there's a big difference between being arrogant and being cocky. And yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if it translates to English that well, but basically, arrogant, the way I see it says, if we play our best, we know we are the best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair to say. Cocky would be saying, no matter what happens, we can't lose because they're too bad. So we just have the confidence to say, if we play our A game, we should not lose. And I think that's also how we carry ourselves. But we are really aware that um, if early game goes wrong or I enter draft or something, we might end up losing. So we're still preparing the same way like we would against SKT or something. Um, so we have fun, but we take it seriously, for sure. That's interesting because, like, obviously, I think that's like the number one thing that fans like to bring up whenever G two wins or is like disrespectful in an interview. They're like, "Oh, their egos are so big; like, they're gonna lose. They're gonna fail Europe because they're so overconfident. Like, they don't respect their opponents. How dare they? Why don't they take this game seriously?" Um, How much of it is a night? Because you guys are basically at the helm of the two largest brands right now in Europe, and I can only imagine some of the landmines so that means that both of you had had to step on occasionally, <laughs> but like. Players talk about it all the time that it's difficult to walk that line. Do you guys find that as well, being talking pieces for Fnatic and G2? No, not really. But I think both orgs have always let uh, their players and staff just speak on their own behalf and just be okay with sharing their opinions on anything, like whether it's leaving home early, uh, one, like players wanting to go home early or anything else. I think they've always been very open about it. In yeah. my time in G2, I, I don't think Carlos ever said, like, don't say this, don't say that. Yeah. They, they don't really mind. So for G2 at least, um, there's of course way more pressure, right? But um, it now feels, feels unfair 
Like Carlos is very overbearing sometimes, but in a sense that he just wants us to win. Um, so it's a positive pressure. And it's fun, right? Like you don't want to be mediocre. Like that, I think that's the worst thing you can be in sports, to just hang around and maybe I win, maybe I lose. So I like this role way more. And um, yeah, it's just fun, right? Um, and we also, like even if we would lose at some point, it would continue being this kind of arrogant style because um, it just fits us. And I think every great player or great team in reality, he has this ego. Like you can't tell me that a player like Faker honestly is that humble in interviews. Like oh, we could lose, we could win here, we could lose against them, and they're all good players. Like in reality, he would be saying like, "Of course, I'm better," and that's fair to say. I think that's nothing wrong with that, as long as you still give them the respect on the game day. Yeah, that's something that Pep Guardiola said. Every good team is arrogant, and it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you like. I think that that doesn't show as often as people expect it to in esports. And Faker's like the prime example, right? Where he's like commenting some random wild card mid laner, like he's a great opponent and I respect him. And you're like, okay, come on, like Faker's like Jesus, like you can like one v five their team, calm down. Um, and and I think that I would love to hear that more. But I like that both of your teams are, are willing to say it. Obviously, you have like both have members of your team. Not you anymore. I would say normally in the past, like Yankos used to be a personality who was a little more reserved, and now I think he's like. I mean, I know what he's like behind the scenes, but in front of a camera, he was a little more reserved, and yeah. obviously he's not anymore. And, and you have a nice mix on your team, Joey, in the sense that like, I feel like Broxa is very respectful, and Whippo is, I'm not going to say disrespectful, but much more willing to like lay it out there, to put it out there, to say uh, how he really feels, which is, <laughs> which is not always positive about the opposition. Um, so it's a good balance of personalities. Froskern, talking about the series, though. <laughs> which you ready? One? The Fnatic G2 one. The greatest series of all time, ever. Um, who's going to win and why? And remember, your job here is to be as hyperbolic as possible so that our guests <laughs> get enraged, um, and then they flame you okay. for the entertainment of our audience. So I think Fnatic's only going to play five champions, and everyone knows exactly <gasps> what they are. <laughs> well. And they can't play any other style because they failed to show that. <laughs> no, I don't know. The thing is, is that that was all sarcasm. Please that don't blame me. They're going to quote that. That's the thing that they quote. Yeah, that was the one that gets clipped out. I mean, the reality is, is that it feels that no analyst can ever bet against G2. And I don't know how that feels for you, Joey, um, but it almost just feels like you look at G2 and even if you can't tell what they're good at, because it feels like it does change from like game to game, um, credibility-wise, like talk about a landmine stepping on it, 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 it hurts. Um, I do think that there are inherent weaknesses to G2 uh, and definite evolutions like I think G2 has gotten better over the split and I think the same thing can be said for Fnatic um you guys did change a lot over the course of the split it wasn't just running the same five champions but ultimately if anyone asks I think any analyst or any coach that isn't Fnatic it's probably going to be G2 and if anyone asks Fnatic it's probably going to be Fnatic because it has to be otherwise you guys don't have a chance before the match starts <laughs> so oh no offense taken I, th I think it's fair to say that we are underdogs going into the series that G2 has uh, has proven to be the best team in the west if not the world at MSI as well so yeah us being underdogs okay I don't think we're as big of an underdog as some teams would like to think or like analysts or mm. or other staff members uh, maybe graphs as well I think it's <laughs> relatively close to 50 50. Um, beating G2 three times in one day that's going to be rough I think one or two games is very very doable but yeah can G2 actually if we take one or two games can they bounce back and still win that is a good question I think your biggest swing condition will be me if I run it down and drive I actually I might I agree think. with it I might agree yeah, with it yeah. I think, uh, yeah. you're the weakest uh, link <laughs> <laughs> okay then okay. no we're getting there um, 
No, I mean, Fnatic um, for sure will have something prepared in the early games. Um, that's the thing we are most wary about because it's Fnatic and they always show us in playoffs. Mm. Um, so it's going to be about getting into the game on an even footing. And then I think um, unless they... Because the thing is, okay, we have champs like Pike. We can say it now openly because he both first picked it in our series, respectively. Yeah. Um, if he's playable, he will be played in that series. And it's more about which team gets it and what team is more prepared to play against a champion, right? Because what Frost said is right. Both teams should kind of know what's coming in a way. Um, so it's about preparation in that regard. Uh, but I think if we get to the early game, even um, they, they will not handle the mid game really well. Because also we know how they want to play it out if they are not in a in the best position. Of course, I can't go in depth here what I think they're going to do. Um, Why not? You will show it in the, in the first games and then the game is going to be over really quickly. So. Exactly. <laughs> minutes and 30 seconds, Blippo goes to ward. We kill him every game. I just think this, that like, comparatively to Rogue and Shalka, Rogue and Shalka have like clean fundamentals, but they're quite systematic and how they think about the game, it's like quite linear. Um, I do think that Fnatic is the only team that thinks as, it sounds so stupid to say, but like fluidly about the game. Like as yeah, an example. They're adaptable. They can respond to in-game changes. They problem solve during the game. Like depending on what matchups are, Fnatic will, just like G2, like put the top laner in the mid lane to find a matchup. If a summoner spell goes down, they'll change lane assignments to like, be dependent of that, whereas like Rogue and Shalka just haven't shown that same type of flexibility. So if there's any team that could contest G2 right now, I would hope that it's Fnatic, just because I don't think any other team has the capability to be that smart on the fly to deal with what G2 throw out as quickly as they do. It's also in all seriousness, um, of course, um, Fnatic is the only team I think in this league against us, at least, that doesn't just lose. Um, because against most teams, it feels like we have a free k gold lead and then they suddenly stop playing the game. Um, sit on a tower and farm waves. So Fnatic is, um, I think, really creative and really good at finding out, okay, we are behind, how do we get back into the game actively? And that means if for one second you don't track a TP timer or where a top jungle mid AD carry is, suddenly you have five people in your lane killing you, getting your tower. Um, so that's something we have to respect for sure. And um, that's also why the games against them are so fun because we never actually won the game until the Nexus is destroyed. As dumb as it sounds, but that's how it is against Fnatic compared to other teams, right? Best um, series ever. I wouldn't go that far, but... <laughs> <laughs> maybe the finals in Athens then. Yeah, there we go. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think both both teams have very creative players. And then, as, as you said, even when you're 3k gold up, there's a lot of things that can happen if you are not fully focused within the moment. I also think we're one of the teams that are that's not afraid to come out swinging. Like, we'll contest the first 10 minutes, we'll, we'll fight you to the death, okay. and we'll just take every fight and be fine with it and be confident about it. Yeah. Very often when it comes to prepping for series, I talk to teams that are lower down in the standings and they're much less worried necessarily about what their opponent's doing like yeah the coach is going to do some draft prep right but for the most part the players just like we just need to improve in our current system right you talk to splice they've got this idea of how they want to play the game they want their players to get better at that they want to keep their focus there but it feels like you guys are so far ahead of the rest of the teams in europe right now that you can you probably have the luxury of prepping specific things so like how much of what you look at in a series is how do we beat fanatic and not like how are we the best version of g2 I'm thinking about how much in-depth I can go here. Um, I'd say we're one of the teams that perhaps less against their opponent than others, for sure, compared. But if you play against Fnatic, um, they have a very distinctive champ pool. Then, of course, you have to go and say, okay, what if they play this? How can we punish it? Um, what do you want to contest early? Um, so there's a clear idea how we approach them, but we're not specifically practicing against them. We're actually practicing stuff we think can also be good going into Worlds because we secured Worlds already. Um, so the gaze already went a bit further. 
um, having certain threads um, ready already and um, certain um, opening picks basically that give a distinctive style, which you might show, might not show. Um, so we're not gonna just look at Fnatic for sure. From a Fnatic perspective, is, is it similar, or is when you're looking at G2, who's kind of the perceived first place, when you feel like you're an underdog, is more of your prep focused on like actually attacking what G2 does? A little bit of both. We're not uh, specifically practicing certain champions just to be G2. Um, we're just looking at what is strong in the meta, how do we counter it, how do we play it ourselves, what champions do we draft around it. So in that in that sense, yeah, are we prepping for worlds? I I guess, but it's not really that like we're playing these strong champions because they're going to be good at worlds. It's just okay, these are the strongest champions in the meta. We have to be able to play it. We have to be able to play against it, and we know G two is going to contest these champions. So at the same time, you're also attacking G two, I guess. Okay, makes sense. I mean, like maximizing kind of that efficiency of, of prep. Now looking at who you actually practice against. I know we talked about this a little before we went live, but. Who do you actually practice against right now? Obviously, it's like Rogue and Shock still scrimming. Most of the teams have gone home. You guys are playing one of the biggest series, right? You're going into the another into Athens for another big series of the years, but it feels like everyone is gone. Like, is this like some of like the most difficult time of the year to actually find good practice, despite it also being like the highest stakes? I think this week is still really easy. Like our week is filled with Rogue and Shock, and I imagine it's almost the same for uh, Grabs. And we practice our academy teams on days where both teams are not available. So on the Saturday, Rogue and Shalka are playing each other. So, you know, then we have another scrim partner. And uh, during this weekend, we also played against our academy team because our teams were playing or were having off days or playing World of Warcraft, maybe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this week is easy. I think the last week is the hardest because if there's three teams left, then you're, all, you're going to scrim someone that you are probably going to face in Athens. So you don't really want to show everything, but also there's only three teams. And uh, yeah, that doesn't really add up because you need an even number. Yeah, um, for us, I mean, I would agree, but um, with a point now where um, scrimming against us is not what people want to do in both ways that we have days where we're like really good and we smash you and teams don't like that before the game they're at. Um, but more often than not, um, players on my team um, tend to have fun in scrims as well at a certain point. That means um, productivity goes down the drain <laughs> as well. Um, so the teams figured out, okay, maybe it's not the best practice to play against them because either they make the games such a fiesta, like with Hattie games and we're not learning anything, or um, we're getting smashed. Um, so right now we are having, of course, like one or two days with those teams um, that still play. Um, but we're already like looking at the ERL teams, which actually are pretty good, I would say. Like, um, of course, I don't want to say who we scrimmed. LDLC. Um, can't confirm or <laughs> deny. Um, if you start that way, I also go that way. You know that, right? <laughs> um, but since you mentioned them, they're, for example, pretty good. Um, Fundamental-wise, better than some of the bottom tier teams in the LSC. So that's exciting. Uh, six exciting. There you see, go. Um, Remember? There you go. To see those regional teams stepping up. Um, so I think it's worth our practice, and I think that's what's going to fill the, the week before Evans as well. And... Um in Worlds and, I guess, to a lesser extent, NMSI, but I think Worlds is a bit more applicable. I can't speak. Applicable. 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 Thank you. Thank God I don't talk for a living. Um, you guys are there against Invictus Gaming for like a week. And I know that there were other teams that were around the area, but how much scrim practice do you people actually get at those types of tournaments? Because I think for the fans, it's really hard to comprehend that when you get to you know, top four, pretty obvious what's happening behind scenes, but top two at a, a tournament like Worlds where you have a massive break before a final, like what are your options? I think at Worlds we were really lucky because what ended up happening is that we scrimmed Damwon and Griffin, 
which were not in Worlds, but were already preparing for the next season. So in that, that sense, we were really lucky. And I think the week before that, we played G2 quite a bit. Um, I, th I would say 50% of our practice was against G2 going into the semifinals because we trusted each other not to leak to the Chinese teams. <laughs> 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 and then the other half was filled with, uh, with Damwon. Pretty much, yeah. And also for Ms. Aina, I can speak about it, is that... Um was kind of rough because the group stage games are so drawn out, the days, because you play the first game and the fourth game, mm -hmm. you're sitting there for four hours doing nothing. Then going back and practicing is most often not not really helpful because players are not going to be in the mental state to actually practice um, efficiently. Um, and then the off days, I think, for example, a team like... Um, actually, I don't, don't want to say it. One team in the tournament um, is very secretive and did not want to scrimmage at all and fear of showing picks. So that makes it kind of awkward to find... Um, Good scrum partners, so sometimes it's just like guys have a free day. Um, that being said, I think this year, VSG2 are very aware of burnout because um, we have the core of the old G2 who went to semifinals worlds, we have Caps who went to the finals. And we know how long the season can get, and especially these worlds moments. So we took basically every, every day we could take off, or every week we could take off, we took it. Um, so I think we're like in a really, really good mental state for being at um, playoffs summer. Um, that's going to help us for sure in the long run. In terms of uh, worlds being in Europe and the European teams, are, are you guys going to help each other? It's not necessarily like trading secrets, but I don't think it's any surprise that the LPL teams all talk. And the LCK teams. And the LCK Kessel, like, teams. gives them, like, I think, a bucket of stats. And it's like no flame. I think fans sometimes think of that as, as cheating, and in reality I'm like, no, of course that's going to happen. Like every team wants to win, and at the end of the day, if it's LPL versus LPL or LCK versus LCK, that's when like the knives come out <laughs> and people will backstab to throw each other down. Um, and you get great League of Legends. But is Europe ever going to combine their efforts, help each other as a region? I think we'll be main practice partners. Also, Korea and China is probably not going to boot camp in Europe, so that means we have limited amount of scrim partners. So we'll be scrimming G two quite a bit, I imagine, and Team Liquid. Um, I always say the higher the stakes, the more risk of cheating. And at the Worlds, the, the stakes are at the highest. So cheating doesn't really happen, but yeah, leaks happen a lot. So you always have to be worried about what you do and don't scrim. Sometimes leaks come from a very unexpected angle. Um, I've also been beneficiary of that. Like randomly you get a leak from a team you would never expect to get a leak from. And from through a player, and it doesn't make sense. But we also know we've been leaked upon multiple times. And it also happened last Worlds, I'm sure. Yeah, and uh, um, people have the wrong perception of what leaking means in that context. It's not like one comes, by the way, they play the champion. <laughs> it's if you, for example, um, if on Tuesday, like in, in, in uh, you having breakfast in the imaginary world, we play Fnatic, and um, for some reason now they have a higher bumper than a champion didn't have before, you can infer the other team that's going before might play the champ. And since you're not in a, in a big league like in, in the LSC where they scream a team you don't play against, like in quarterfinals, you can infer this might be a team we play against, then mm -hmm. you can think, okay, this is something they might pull out. Um, and that's, I think, not even leaking. That's just how you prepare for the week. And if you see a strong pick comes up, let's say we scrim IG, or like we scrimmed IG and MSI, they picked a certain champ, you think, oh, the champ is good, we're going to play it too. So if you like think about it for a second, you're going to infer, okay, the other teams should pick it up too. So one of the things that's happened um, in the past when not everyone has been located in the same area for a boot camp is that specific regions have I'm going to call inbreeding a meta remember this conversation so L the 2015 LPL 2015 LPL um, only basically scrimmed each other because they were convinced that they were insane and just like it up completely I'm swearing a lot this episode sorry I feel like you're going to have to dip that um, butchered it like came in clearly had no idea what was good and what was bad clearly had just like 
misread entirely. Are you guys worried at all? I know, like, right now, from, from my perspective at least, like, EU, strongest region in the world. Does that mean that we know everything? No, definitely not. So is there a concern with LPL, LCK kind of staying on one side of the world for this boot camp leading up? And then also, I guess, Team Liquid will be here and, and you guys staying here. Is there a concern that, like, you're not going to have the right information or that you might end up in that same situation where you where there's like a blind spot in terms of what is and what isn't playable heading into Worlds? I think so. Um, on the one, yeah, okay, so there is some worry. On the other hand, I think that Korea has usually been pretty slow in picking up new things and actually innovating at Worlds. So they usually have like a weaker first week, whereas EU has always been very innovative and open to new things. So I think we should have an edge. Um, having said that, I also remember we had a little bit of this uh, our own little meta, I think it was 2017 Worlds, and then we ended up being the only team in the entire tournament to play a game without Arden support and lost that game, so <laughs> that really sucked. Um, but I think being from EU and also having G2, where it's a team that innovates a lot, makes it easier to just accept it and be like, okay, we don't have to know the Chinese meta, we don't have to know the Korean meta. If we know what G2's meta is and we have our own meta, we can probably make something out of it. Yeah, and I mean, for me personally, I can say I have it pretty easy because my players can first time champs on stage and they play them well. So if China thinks they have a new meta, then one that's going to put up the Soraka top lane is might, and they will have not, no idea what's hitting them. Um, yeah, but on a serious note, um, again, like we are very creative, and um, I mean, you know Caps, right? We don't have like five picks put in scrims, like, oh, they're really good, I want to save them for Worlds, so they get nerfed. So we already have like a list of champs we want to play at Worlds, which we can't show now, because Caps is, is a bit of um, an interesting character when it comes to playing those champions. Yeah. So... I'll let you we, in we will prepared, let's say. I'll let you in on a little secret. When he says they're OP and he doesn't want to play them until Worlds, he's not going to play them at Worlds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a MSI. We said for MSI. Are you yeah. play this? Uh, I don't feel it. Like. <laughs> yeah, he told us the entire year he was saving Aurelian Soul for the World Semifinals. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, Caps, it's time, you know? It's like, nah, I'm, yeah. I'm not playing Aurelian Soul. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it weird both having like coached such a, such a big player and such a big name now uh, in European League of Legends? Like, what was your experience? Because you obviously, like, you were the start, Joey. Like, Caps comes in from, I guess, from TCL at the time, comes into your hands, and, like, have you, what was your experience coaching Caps? And then maybe Grabs can share it to you, and you can see, like, if he's changed, if he's evolved, if he's the same, like, smiley, dopey kid who, you know, just happens to be a, a savant at League of Legends, you know? Um, I would say for 99%, it was always a pleasure and just really fun to have him around, which is a higher percentage than I would say most players, so... Yeah, it was just always fantastic to work with him. He was always, he's actually that smiley dopey kid off of the camera too. It's not just a camera kind of thing. Yeah. So he always lightens the mood and made everyone feel better about themselves. He was running around laughing, cracking jokes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, just just a pleasure. I think the 1% is that some days he would come in the office and he would know, oh, it's one of those days because he just had this kind of mood or aura around him. He's like, okay, we're going 0-5 today in scrims or we're losing a stage today. <laughs> yeah. he, he has those days, but it only happened two times or three times throughout the entire year, so it wasn't that bad, right? So that's the other 99% where it was just amazing working with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> but then he has an update, and you're like, yeah. all right, well, it's doomed. <laughs> so as a person, like, he's a really good kid, right? You like, like him around. Um, in scrim-wise, he's the enabler of the team in a bad way. Basically, we every third game, it feels like we have a meeting around, okay, guys, play it a bit serious, like try to improve. Yeah, sure, we will do it. And then actually the early game goes fine, and then like Caps is fat, and we're like, play around Caps wait for us, and you just see him, like, into support tempo, going on a tower, one three dying, and the rest of the team, okay, guess it's time to end, and just all five <laughs> players go in and fight 24-7, and this happens every second game. And it's not always him, but he is the, the starting point for most of those games, where just, we're going to play serious now, and you just see him flying through the map, like, 
ain't happening, and then uh, it's gonna be like a happy game again. I feel like you were you were blessed, Joey, because at least on a fanatic, you had like some voices of reason, right? From talking to your players a lot last year, you know, you had Soaz, who's like voice of reason. You've got Broxa, voice of reason, and I know Hillisang goes like Rec was also like pretty chill, but then you've got like Hillisang, you've got Blippo. You've got caps who all just like want to go in at any given moment. And I feel like G2 doesn't have that. I feel like there's no voice of reason like, hey, guys, let's not on the side of G2. But, but that's what I mean. We have players that try and maybe they, they can accept one int. But the second int, they're like, am I going to have fun too? The, the games where we end in LSC, like in one push, basically confident in scrims because we, we say like, okay, let's play for T2. And then um, one player kills somebody solo, goes for the tower there. I'm like, I guess we end now. And then if you start inting, let's not base anymore. We just fight now. And that's, that's the call. Like, people are annoyed saying that, like, ah, we're just fighting now. But they do that. And nobody's like, willing to say, no, let's base. Like, okay, let's fight. And then we're going to stand there at the tower, losing the game, maybe in scrims, but not. But Wait, on stage, it works. So do you, do, is there a such thing as like a bad week of scrims for G2? Because we hear about teams coming on stage all the time, like, oh, we had a bad week of scrims, and it translates into a bad stage performance. Like, for you this, this year, let's say, has there been like a, a bad week where... Um, Thinking back, like the, the Chinese nickname of artist actually really fit the team um, in a way that our week of scrims does not um, depend on the results, but the atmosphere we leave the scrims with, right? Mm. Um, that's then where I, all the coaching staff, we have to like be really careful of making sure that we don't leave the day angry. So like have a meeting again, talk about, okay, what happened? Because sure, it uh, all looks buddy-buddy and happy-happy in G2, but of course these players are world-class and they get annoyed if somebody is not playing to their standards. Uh, or... For example, there's this in thing with what's a joke right now, sometimes goes too far and then other players get annoyed as well. And it's always something different. So um, making sure that nothing is left behind in between players is really important. And if we basically, for example, if I enter the room and Chengus is like, again, then I know it's going to be a good day because he's mm -hmm. happy, right? <laughs> uh, if Caps is smiley, then it's going to be a good day and that's all that matters in the end. Is there like a fine line um, for a team like G2 or even Fnatic where... You guys have world-class players, some of the best in Europe in their individual positions, but is it being held together by this friendship, this professionalism, whatever it is, and is it very quickly easy to turn to the other side? Like, in the same way that Splice collapse, is there a possible collapse for Fnatic and G2 if the mental just flips to the other side? Let's say, you know, Perks is tired that Caps has entered one too many times and then just decides to burn it all because we hear all the time about teams. I mean, I think Misfits is probably a perfect example, like the the internal uh, dynamics that just didn't pan out for them. I would say there's always enough trust in the other players' individual capabilities that that doesn't really happen, that there's a complete burnout or like someone is saying, I'm not, I'm not uh, giving anymore um, because both teams have to qualify for Worlds, at least like for Fnatic. I think we've had our lows already and... I don't think we can get any lower than we did like in the start of spring or maybe like shortly after Rift Rivals. Um, it's just that the players are too good to actually not try on stage or try enough in scrims to actually make it work. And I, I imagine that must be the same for G2 where, yeah, you have you have some bad days, you have some, some conflicts at times, that's okay, that happens. Um, but not to the point where it's not manageable anymore. Yeah, I mean, for us at least, um, the same culture we have around picks where everything is open and everybody can something throw in. It's the same around... Um, how like people are in between each other, right? So if something is annoying, we have the culture of just saying it. So we sit down and say, what you did there was really annoying to me. Um, could you please stop that? And it's like, yeah, sure, I can see why it's annoying. I won't do it again. Um, so again, of course, there are bad days, but it never feels hostile or that there's actually a chance this team splitting apart or like um, 
hating each other suddenly, which happened in other teams for sure. Like there's this vibe you can feel where like, even if I talk now, it's not going to help and the players are like too far apart. Uh, either like in every team before. But uh, in this one, I have a really hard time seeing it. Uh, unless we, for some reason, like e even losing finals, you know, it wouldn't matter. We would be laughing like, oh, we already skipped worlds, it doesn't matter. Like, we don't care. I mean, we do care, right? But it's just the, the, this air we have. We're um, happy-go-lucky and... Um, for example, I know when scrims end, they all go to the sofa together, play Mortal Kombat or different game, just laugh around. Um, so they actually are not depending on League of Legends to be together. They just enjoy the company, um, which is really rare and really lucky. Um, so yeah, I don't have that worry. Is it harder to maintain that kind of um, atmosphere, Young Buck, in a, in a team house where players are like living in, in apartments? Is this, do you feel, I guess, do you feel a hard day more than it sounds like Grab feels a hard day because your players go to separate places and aren't spending as much necessarily as much time together? I think it has both benefits and downsides. I, I do think it's a big downside that you don't have the players spending as much time together outside of practice because, yeah, some players just want to go home. They want to have a personal life. They want to go to the gym, maybe to a girlfriend. Um, so you have to also kind of be okay with that because I'm a, as a coach, I'm pro-social life, pro-girlfriend. Like yeah, yeah. You don't have to live in a gaming house. I'm not really for that. Um, it also does have the advantage that if a player is not feeling very well, he can go to his own space and actually just come back recharged the next day. So I think it has ups and downs. I would still go for the office versus all living in a gaming house, but I definitely see the benefits because also in G2, it was a thing where there was a really big camaraderie because everyone was living together. Yeah, and I mean, the one or two times that I visited the house during during that era of G2, it always it always felt very strong. And even on a team where you had like, big language barriers right at the time when Expect was still learning English, when Trick was still learning English. Like, it definitely showed through in that house, which isn't always the case in gaming houses, so I'm glad that that's, like, something that G2 has, has been able to maintain. But, yeah, personally, I, I could never do the gaming house life. I don't know how anyone does it, if I'm completely honest, but it's it's impressive, and I'm, I'm glad that it's working out. Um, your series is obviously exciting, but I think that the second we talk to your teams, we always look to Worlds because it's just easy to do, right? Because you guys are the expected favorites. But I'm curious, you look at the rest of the pool, Splice and Origin, Obviously, uh, very much in Gauntlet. I think there's chances actually for Splice to get knocked out technically, but it's I think it's a fringe case. Who do you expect? I actually think they locked Gauntlet. Did they lock Gauntlet? By uh, Vitality getting knocked yeah. down. Yeah. I think, yeah. I yeah, was yeah. interviewed for a documentary on that, Ooh, so. Nice. <laughs> perfect. Thank God you've got the information. Uh, once again, I'm out of the loop. Um, so I'm curious, who do you think is going to be the third the third team to, to join you guys when it comes to Worlds? Mm, for the memes it would be Rogue but uh, if we actually want to have the third best team it still should be Splice I think um, I think Origin is too far gone honestly yeah. um, they still have really good fundamentals but uh, they, I think they're just clueless around how they want to play the game all together um, so I don't have much hope for them but um, sure we meme around Splice not doing much in the early game but they still know how pressure works in uh, most part of the games and even saying, okay, we play for this item is not inherently a bad style if the team goes together. Um, so I think um, they will have enough time for Gonda to reset mentally, like we did last year again, and then be a strong contender for sure. Yeah, I think Splice or Schalke would be the best representatives for Europe as a third place. I think they've just been consistently the two teams that have a very defined style, but are actually good at what they're doing. And that is something that is usually very useful at Worlds. You don't want a team that does something differently every week, unless you're G2. Um, like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I don't know, but you do, you do it properly, right? You do it properly. So a team like Schalke is very predictable, but they're also very refined in what they do. They play around bot lane very well, and that is a kind of style that can work really well at Worlds, depending on the meta. But 
So I, I can see them also being a good representative for Europe. I can see Splice being a good representative as well. So our origin, you say, are too far gone. It's like if they make the gauntlet run, is like the origin peak. I don't know. When was the origin peak? What was the best origin I've ever been? Is it Rift Rivals? Is it finals last in spring? I was going to say probably getting, probably their best five against Fnatic. Yeah. That was peak. Is that still like a worthy Worlds contender? Or is it just like, is that just too far off based on their last week of performance for you to really like put faith behind the, the OG miracle gauntlet run? I think they must be too far gone to go from second place in spring to not even making playoffs in summer. There, there must be something wrong. Um, I don't know what is wrong, but it just feels like they've just lost whatever made them strong. And also Sonatari got nerfed, so thank goodness for that. <laughs> so what could happen is that um, they narrow down on one style only and pray that this one style will not get countered by any team. Wait, but I think they have to start. Actually, they're not, they're not the last team, right? Because they have the 70 points or 90, 70 points. From, They'll be from first round no matter what, but they oh. might be the higher seed or the lower seed. That's, okay, then, that then they have to confirmed. run it back the, the entire gauntlet, and I don't think they have a chance, actually. I think if they had to like max play two, because then they can actually narrow down one style at least, like we did last year in Worlds with the 1-3-1, where we could only play that one style, and if they ban Tom Kench, it's going to be a bit rough. <laughs> Thankfully, RNG didn't for most of the time. Um... But yeah, um, <laughs> then I could see it, but it would be rough for sure. All right. I mean, that's it's just crushing, right? Because I think everyone had high expectations of OG. Uh, and yeah, just to see them fall is, is honestly truly surprising. Um, one more question about your best of five to round this out. Is the winner of the Fnatic G2 best of five the best team in the world? So in typical G2 fashion, I have to say yes, because it's going to be us. But at the same time, we still haven't won against the Chinese team since RNG. We are 0-5 against IG, which maybe not may, may not go to Worlds even. So I, was, yeah. uh, I was having this discussion with um, Inder and Vedius because one of the biggest differences between like Europe and China right now is that China will run combat summoners basically every single time for their bot lanes as opposed to teleports. Like Europe, much more reliant on running TPs. Um, and I actually am very curious to see what you guys do with it. Because the way that I see it, you run into a Chinese team, you fight, they've got more combat summoners, they're just as keen to fight, you pick the wrong fights, and then they just try to snowball from there. Or Europe could do its thing where it just like plays the map, uses all its 20 million TPs, and then just like China has no brain. It's basically Europe without a brain. My big worry is that if you play a team like FPX, the game just revolves around caveman style. And every little... <laughs> Every scrimmage will be taken, no matter what the water's tempo, it doesn't matter, and we just fight. And then, then of course, it's a flippy game, right? Um, from, from, okay, from watching LCK without going too deep, um, I think as long as we don't handshake their baffling Drake and Hell fights every game, where the 10, 10 guys are there fighting for their lives, um, we should be fine. Again, as I said, for, for LPL, um, there's always these, these, their willingness to fight as well, um, even off tempo which um, might be hard to deal with, but I think we have a really big shot at being favorites going into Worlds. Um, the good thing is we already see ourselves that way. That means there will not be extra pressure or something. We, we think we are the best if we play our games, so it's just on us to show it. Young Buck, looking at the international competition aspect of this, because I guess the kind of, are you the best team in the world was more of a meme question. But that's actually a good point. International mm -hmm. competition, how, are, are you the same way where you're looking at like caveman style from China? Are you respecting more LCK? Like, who are you actually worried about? Uh, I would be a little bit more worried about China, but that's just because they don't really play that very solid macro, which is really easy to play against. I mean, it, it's really tough when they're better at it, uh, <laughs> when they're better at the macro, but I think that uh, both Fnatic and G2 can actually match the, the Korean style meta, uh, macro. 
So then if you do end up in a caveman style or a very sloppy early games, or like it gets a little bit flippy, I guess. I don't think as flippy as people like to think. I think there's a lot of thought behind early game, uh, like pathing, jungling, uh, where you put the pressure, how you play around jungle, how you play around the lanes. Um, but yeah, China would be more difficult. Um, having said that, I think for marketing reasons alone, we have to say that the winner <laughs> in Athens is also the best team in the world, at least until World starts. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank yeah. Good job. That's <laughs> good job. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Riot, send the check. That's all I'm asking for. Um, so then I guess like Worlds is exciting. Looking forward to seeing how you guys stack up against China in the LCK since we've pretty much decided the LCS. And I think LMS at this point too is no longer a talking point given that they've been poached to nothingness. Fofo is finally going to go to Worlds. <laughs> You guys watching LMS? No, just me? No, no. yeah, no. that's fine. You don't. Oh, poor L. I'm sorry, LMS. I, I, I really love you, but it's just, it's not happening anymore. Flash Wolves died and the region died with them. I'm just really happy that PvP renamed. So that's one threat out of the window. <laughs> so, so maybe the new Vietnamese team will be the same. So I ho really hope we dodge them in groups. That's that's my big hope, uh, and then we'll be fine. That's what I you're know. you're memeing about getting third seed, but like, but what if you have to go up against uh, Vietnam? <laughs> yeah, Vietnam? You're doomed, dude. But, no, that, it's not a flame, the caveman style thing. But that's, I'm saying it because we're the same. So if they start fighting, we will fight them. So that happened in group stage MSI, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, my players were joking around going for plans instead because it's more fun, more games. But yeah, if then suddenly there's the Vietnamese team, then I would be really sweating. Like, uh, this would not be fun. It's really sure. doomed. Yeah. <laughs> I would call it like Carlos. Uh, we might have an issue here. <laughs> I'm right. warning you. So, looking at the, the last thing I want to talk about today is that all pro voting and MVP voting finished up. Uh, I assume you guys voted it in or your team got a vote. I don't actually remember as much as to how it actually works. But I wanted to talk a little bit about MVP. Um, Obviously, you guys aren't allowed to vote for people within the context of your team, so you usually have to vote for someone else. So if you guys are comfortable, I'd be curious to see like who you thought was worthy of MVP and, and kind of how you guys thought about MVP as a vote, because I know that there's a lot of different takes on whether or not it should be the objectively best player of the league. Should it be the person that, like, without this guy on your team, the entire thing crumbles? So um, do you guys want to share? Um, our MVP is Jankos. I just think he's been consistently... Uh, top two jungler throughout the split every week. Every week of the split, he has been uh, performing very well. So he had really stellar performances, always playing Sejuani. So playing the meta picks, he was uh, <laughs> taking one for the team. Um, I, I just don't remember a bad performance from Jankos this split. So, and I was also, I've said this before, I think that Jankos was MVP at MSI and didn't get enough rec recognition there. So mm -hmm. um, that combined, I think he deserved to be the MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a toss up between Hillsong and, uh, and Humanoid. Um, I picked Humanite, I believe, just because I think he's um, like Splice needs an X Factor like him. Because I think he's actually really good and he can carry a game alone, but then Rogue happened and uh, now it looks kind of awkward. <laughs> it's um, okay. We're all feeling a little bit awkward after that first, yeah. those first quarterfinals <laughs> about uh, the All Pro. And for, for Hilly, it just, um, sure, there's always this meme of Hilly int, right? And I mean, same with Krabs. Um, but just having a, having a player who's willing to. Okay, how do I say it? Um, there are players, uh, supports especially, who know they're going to die, but they bait a good fight. Um, someone like Nithi, I think, was the first one who does, did it a lot, who like baited the enemy team to fight them yeah. by being out of position. Hilly does this really well. He roams really well. Um, I think he recognizes, recognizes the lane set really well. That means um, he knows when he says, okay, this lane is doomed now, I have to roam, or um, Reckless can catch alone, I can, can move now, and he gives so much pressure to the team on both sides. Like, if you play against Hilly and he's a roaming champion, um, you're, you're really sweating. So I think those two teams, are, uh, those players are really important for respective teams. And uh, that shows Humanoid in the end. 
now he lost against Rock, but it was a voting for regular season anyway, so. Yeah, of course. It is, yeah. It's, so it's all regular season awards, which is like, I think it's really funny because people instantly forget that and just like hard flame. They're like, how could you ever have thought Splice was a good team? They lost yeah. to Rogue, right? Like ignoring the fact that they finished in um, finished in third. Frosco? Um, did you also vote Yankos? I did. I did Yankos, Perks, and Hilly were my three. Uh, originally, I had um, Mickey on over Hilly, but in looking at Fnatic games, I felt it was disingenuous not to have any Fnatic, uh, Fnatic players on MVP, so I felt that Hilly was the most deserving, and I don't know, it's so hard to separate Perks and Mickey, and I decided that um, Perks was going to go on before Mickey, because I was basically like G2's bot lane, and then uh, right behind Hilly, I had Humanoid, and then Vander. Vander, that's good shit. I voted for Hillisang. I voted for It's really hard for me to vote for a G2 member, because um, my, my belief is that without this one player, like the team would fall apart, and because obviously all of your, your team... It contributes a ton. I think Perks was my second. I wanted to vote for your bot lane, but I can't vote for them together, so I voted for Perks since he's the role swapper. Um, but yeah, I think Hillisang is like is actually just an insane player, and I think that there's so many of Fnatic's games where I look at what Hillisang does and I go like, gee, like this game would not function without Hillisang here. And there's there's unwinnable games that he has turned around, and there are games where like clearly you guys are like okay we're you're like kind of i've one or two times where i felt like you guys kind of got trapped into a slower early game and hillisang breaks that and hillisang is kind of that defining feature and also i have a huge bias for playmakers and hillisang is obviously one of the most insane playmakers in the league i think he's toe-to-toe with mickey x and depending on the day they're like always fighting daily for who is the best support um and of course he does have the downside right i think it's fair to say that he's had his he's had his moments um and People will point at the Tom Kench game, which isn't entirely his fault, but you know, obviously wasn't the best showing. So is it weird to say that I think that Mickey is a better player, but Hilly is a better support. Uh yeah, kind of. Like what like I know. I think I know what you're getting at. Yeah, it's just like Mickey, I think, in every like metric is just like an incredible player mechanically. Um, I don't think there's anything that he can't do, but Hilly is like such a very specific mind for his role and as a support and what that means for Fnatic. I think is I don't know how else to say it. Like Hilly will do things that other yeah. people don't see, whereas like Mickey can press buttons in ways that people didn't even think was possible. Yeah, if you guys are comfortable, do you mind sharing? Like, if you were to vote for a player on your team to MVP, who would it be? I know some. Maybe if, if you're not, that's totally cool because obviously you never know what team dynamics are like. Yeah. I think that Hilly and Weepo have single-handedly won the most games in our team, but I don't think we've had any underperforming players to split. So, I mean, like you've mentioned before, Hilly has single-handedly won his games that we should not have won. And I think Bipo had a few of those games as well where he was winning lanes so hard that he shouldn't have been winning them. Or, I mean, like the G2 game, I think a lot of that was also contributed to Bipo winning his lane and also getting away with like 6 HP once, but okay. <laughs> like he had a really big impact in a lot of the games. And then um, Bipo only had like two or three really bad games, like the Rengar game uh, against Rogue was, was just awful. So I think he's been really consistent. Um, so they've been playmaking for us and actually winning the games really hard um, or winning games that we shouldn't have won whereas the other players have helped us win games that we should have won yeah no I do agree and uh, for me it pains me to say this because it's gonna hang over my head like a rainy cloud it has to be Jankos and yeah uh, those guys uh, the, the, the amount of information and sudden information he gets from his laners because very often what happens is that we talked about this in a different podcast, right? That um, people think of junglers that they control the early game and they say, mm. I path this way, that's how you trade. And I think that's how Korea, for example, still plays. They will never take a trade if the jungler's the opposite side. Janko says, okay, I expect pressure to be there and this is how I path. And then suddenly you hear Wonder say, or Perks, I get a good trade, we can dive now. 
two minutes into the game. And Django's just like a, like a supercomputer, okay, take this camp, walk there. While he walks there, Caps is going all in, so he has to like turn around and go there instead. And he still keeps up in farm and controls where the enemy jungler is. Um, he's also the, the main voice of reason, as, as bad as it sounds, because you guys, how he knows, is a, is a troll. <laughs> and I think that's also why in scrims they go so bad in that regard, because on, on stage he's like very focused and on, and on coffee, on sugar, on his A-game, controls everything, and in scrims he's like, yeah, I can't be bothered. And then just like the whole... House is burning down around him, <laughs> and he participates in it. So, like, he, like if there's like a dom tour, is it dom tour in English as well? Like the guy in the circus who controls the ringleader. Animals? Ringleader. Ringleader. Okay, like yeah. he's the ringleader to the circus mm-hmm. of G two. Basically, <laughs> there you go. He's the guy with the whip and the chair yeah. fighting off the lions. Yeah. I like it. It's, it's powerful, <laughs> <laughs> powerful imagery for the games to come. Um, is there anyone in your all pro voting, uh, or just in general in the league that you that you think stood out to you that you think might be an uncommon choice? Because um, I think that like there's a lot of first and second. I feel like it's very often just going to be dominated by like G2 fanatic, right? For the most part, might be some splice players in there. Third team might be 50% splice, but then there's always somebody who makes it in. I think there's a lot of like scattered votes for individuals, and those are the most interesting to me. Um, so, is there anyone that you think that you guys voted for that like really stood out to you personally? Um, the top lane votes were the most difficult for us. There weren't many players that really stood out, and I think we have one of the players that is contesting for top three. Um, so, okay, Fizzy Chachi is Splice. I actually put Expect on second or third because I felt like he had a really good split. Um, had a lot of solo kills. I know it's, uh, it's a former player of mine, so I might be a little bit biased. No, I put him third. That's why I'm smiling. Yeah. I'm like, thank yeah. God I'm not the only one. I'm not going to get flamed. <laughs> yeah. So I think Excel finished ninth or eighth. Um, last, I think. Last, even. Last. So, yeah. yeah, Expect suddenly showing up in third place is a big deal. Um, I don't know about any other role specifically. Maybe self-made still makes a case. I don't think he had uh, as good of a split as he did in the spring, but he's still a really good player. Um, inspired. I mean, now he might finish third this split, but <laughs> <laughs> I think Inspired uh, is going to receive quite a bit of votes as well for the top three. Um, for me, the player of the biggest surprising factor for me personally also is Vander, because I was in the camp that kind of thought he's a little bit washed. I was Old too. man yeah, mechanics and... Um, I mean, I'm honestly right, but he played really, really, really well the split. Mechanically both, and where he has to be on the map. Um, he picked Pike against us, and he actually was pressuring a lot, a lot more than we thought he would be. Um, so I think also a huge part of Rogue's success right now is him. Um, so all the props to him, I think I voted him third after Hilly and... Mickey? I can't vote for oh, Mickey. Oh, you can't vote oh, for yeah. Mickey. Oh, yeah, who would Maybe you vote? Maybe Norskaren? That's the guy no. we voted on in top no, three. No, no, no. I think we've put him on third. <laughs> I'm sorry, no scaring, but I think... Um, oh, Ignar, Ignar. Maybe. We, we put Ignar in top three. I also... Maybe I'm biased against Ignar, but I got really annoyed at Worlds where he played, where he only could play these engaged supports. It worked out, but he got heralded as like this super insane support where I think he he made Maxwell play Ivan, basically, to cover for his uh, Alan Sensor missing. And then suddenly he's the best support in the world, which I didn't agree with, so maybe I'm biased against him. But who's the second, actually? Could be Vander. Like, Hill is sung for sure first. Vander's in the top three. Who's missing? I mean, who else is like really up there for Osco? I mean, mine was um, Mickey, Hilly, Ignar, Vander. Could be Ignar free actually and Vander. Yeah, I think mine was Mickey, Hilly, Ignar. I probably maybe should have voted for Vander. Vander has had a sick, sick, sick split. If it wasn't all pro, if it was like MVP contestants, I think Vander would be. I think Shiva could actually have a good uh, case for him, but he didn't have a lot yeah. of games. Yeah. Um, Mickey had a bad year. Uh, Dreams is okay, but I think he's like middle of the pack. Jack Troll had a bad year. 
Uh, yeah, it's actually tough. I think top uh, and support are actually the two hardest yeah. difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Shiva, personally, like on his highs. But you only have like you're four of like games. One Rakan game. No, like his Volibear game. <laughs> his Volibear game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And he played a really sick Nautilus. But top top is especially brutal for me because it's like I Wonder Bwipo. I think Bwipo. It's Wonder Bwipo Alfari expect. Ah, dude, I hate. <laughs> I in first actually. You and then you get, and then you get like Chachi in there and like Odo. All right. Or is, you could flip that either way you want. I, I'm curious, like, your guys' opinions. Is, does Alfari deserve to be top three? I want. I would love to hear your perspective. Because this is actually a fight that I've been having in the office for the past week and a half. Origin I'll, are still alive, I want to so hear yes. what you have to say, and then, like, I'll, I'll, I'll just, like, share kind of my opinion on the subject. I think Alfari is not top three because he's a better player than most top laners. So he's a top three top laner. Mm-hmm. I think the way that Origin plays does not showcase his skill at all. Um, so I think from that point of view, you could say, well, he didn't have a great split because... Yeah. He didn't get to show it, but I think he's a top three player, so that's why I think we put him in second or third. Yeah, and uh, I mean, top lane right now is in a weird spot where it doesn't really matter that much unless you like go really pop of performance. That's also a wonder goes, I can pick Kha'Zix here, Zoraka, it doesn't really matter actually. Just, just if you want to play Garen, give it to me, like I'm, I'm a top laner, who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Afari is just very, very solid in all stages of the game. And it kind of felt like he's like the captain on a sinking ship in a way that he tried to to win the games, and sometimes also like got cut off because of it. But his team seemed so lost, and he, the top laner, had not the chance of actually having much impact. So I think he's still a really good player, and that's why I wanted him first, so people don't forget just because he's playing on Origin that he's a really solid player. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's a, fan, a really solid player, and for me, he's like four or five. I just I couldn't put him top three because the amount of I think one of the big things is that when people reference how far they talk a lot about like always, oh, always like winning in CS. He's always doing this and that, and I like look at his games and I'm like, well, he did get to counterpack or counterpick a ranged top laner into a Mordekaiser three times. Like he's always playing these AD cannon matchups. He's always playing these ranged top lane matchups. So like his stats always look fine to me, but then ultimately like his team is never one three winning and they're never winning the game right, and so. I, yes, you can choose not to fault Alfari for that, but it's also like if you're put in this position to do it and it's not happening, it's hard for me to like give you that benefit of the doubt. We totally forgot about Cabo Shard. After that series, <laughs> you want to put Cabo... Like, I don't think Cabo Shard had the best season. I think Cabo Shard is top five. I'm just saying, for all the things that you can fault Alfari, Cabo Shard is in the exact same Actually, boat there. Yeah, like, <laughs> captains of sinking ships, my <laughs> God. Okay, Alfari is sinking, but Vitality... Got bombed, burnt down to the ground, yeah. and just obliterated. Like what happened that series? What I what I saw from some players, like first set, that felt like really they just want to go. Or they booked the flights for the same evening, so that's how they played. In the same way, also <laughs> that's a meme in there. That's not the meme. <laughs> that's just how they played. Like <laughs> watching that. Um, so in so. the LPL, Snake, excuse me, LNG beat a team in Victus Gaming, and their AD carry didn't think that they yeah. were going to be able to beat them, so he booked his flights and then had to cancel. Yeah, whereas the Fatality players <laughs> booked their flights because they didn't, didn't want to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus, that's brutal, dude. I just feel I feel it's so rough for Alfari and for Cabo. And, like, Cabo is the more visible end. I think it's a similar case. But Alfari, right, is, like, in the farm zone, right? He's, like, living on his top lane island. Cabo is the other side of that where he's, like, the guy getting a little bit more attention is the 401 Jace. And then, like, he's just watching his team die. I I, I could just share this because it was so funny to me that (laughs) when he was playing the Jace game. Yeah. And there's this one HP opponent and you just see Scanner. Slapping it, mm-hmm. Wanda got like really mad at the moment. He's like, "Ah, oh, if he gets that solo carry this game, this <laughs> physics game again, sorry." And then like Wanda was like, 
20 minutes after, if he hit that kill, he was 29 again right now, but uh, Skana got 20 kills, so it's unlucky. Like, one that really, really fought for him that uh, series, so uh, Kyle definitely uh, He's just, in a rough spot. For both of them, it's like they're Mad Max in the Mad Max movie, right? They're like, they're they're the one sane person in this like dystopian hellish future. <laughs> Everyone else around them is like huffing paint, running in, like strapped to the front of the car, like, oh shit, I guess this is happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel for him. Like, I, I, God, I really want both those teams to recover because, like, as much as Vitality get flack for talking smack, I like it. I would rather have a team talk smack that doesn't. And OG's obviously like, it's a team full of historic names who have never quite crossed the threshold. And now Alfari's been lumped in with that group. So for Alfari's sake, I hope that they get their moment to shine because it's just, ah, oh, it's brutal. It's actually brutal. Origin are boring. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to supplement that? You're just going just gonna to leave that there? All right, I think that's probably pretty good. Um, final words, final thoughts. Um, can we get official predictions? Rogue, Schalke. I won't make you guys predict on your game because that's boring because you'll both predict your team and you'll predict some number of games. Yeah. Who takes Which one it? of you is bold to say a 3-0? I am. I mean, against you too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll Same, but uh, for what team <laughs> are you betting? That's the question. That's interesting. My philosophy is that we start the series at 2-0 with good prep and then they have to finish the third game. Does the good prep mean me being on the other team? Yes. <laughs> Just like, oh, <laughs> it means that we put a guy into the crowd with the sign that says Pig Garen or something along those lines for two games. And then, like, okay, now you guys have to do it without the training wheels. The good thing, though, is on the stage, it's dark. For, like, you can't see the, the fans because of the lighting. So <laughs> this has to be like a big-ass sign then. Like, LED sign. Maybe I'll be the one having the sign. And I'll just wave over at you. That's not good. How confident you two both are that you just literally just get to meme the crap out of this draft. It's like this is a world where I don't think this would be allowed for the sake like competitive integrity, but like if this was like a week eight game, we would definitely let Joey take an LED sign on stage and like <laughs> hang it up and be like, pick this garbage champ. Yeah. I mean And you do it, because you would totally do it. I oh yeah. god. Okay, I, I go first. I think it's gonna like if you play each other, um, the most likely scenario is a free one, just because, as I said, um, one game, there's a huge chance they're going to stack, we run into them, they get two kills over one, and then Boxer goes off. The other chance is that um, I got confused in 4-5, Caps picks, or he picks uh, Vayne into Akali, and then suddenly we lose the game from there. Um, but yeah, on even draft and even level one and even early uh, game, I think 99% of the chances we should win. But I think free one is the, the most likely scenario. All right. Yeah. I like Your the turn. specifics that you lose games by us tacking on level one and you guys running into us. Uh, no, me running it down in draft. Oh, yeah, yeah you're running it down in draft. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's a pretty big chance that happens, right? I did give IG chase twice into Aatrox. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> yeah, I think we can bank on that. It's a, it's yeah. a solid win condition. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think the games will be more even, but I think since both teams will come out swinging, it will be like 60 40, 40 60, depending on the draft. Um, I think we have very similar play styles, so it's more like we prepared better at shutting down the other guy's play style. Yeah, like yeah, is going mid with Pike. Hillisang is going mid with Pike. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, who, who was who top then? <laughs> 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 then I guess all right. That's that's good. Um, Rogue Shalker, really quick. Shalker favored three zero three one. Rogue predictions out there. I'll say three two Rogue. Mm, three two Rogue. I don't care about what I say. The loser should go to NA Gauntlet and qualify for there. Because that's an easy road. I feel it's an easy road. 
just pick it out there. Like, it's really unfair that one of those two teams won't be at Worlds, but a team from there will be. So, especially after watching that final. Uh, I'm just saying, do we have rules as to how a team can lose a slot at Worlds? That's my question for you out there. Someone find it. The rule books are pretty public. I want the dystopian world where we actually just have, what, five major regions? So yeah. it's five qualification attempts at Worlds. So Europe has a tournament, NA has a tournament, Korea, China, and any team can go and participate into trying to get through the qualification. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want just 100% an open circuit. Yeah. That's what you want. All right, bring it back. Season two. Let's go talk about the real days of championship points and earning it. Um, honestly, I had one more thing to say. I totally forgot what it was. You guys can check out this weekend's games. I believe Friday is Schalke versus Rogue. Saturday, G2 Fnatic. Match of the century. We already literally made a meme trailer called Match of the Eons, and now you guys are playing each other in a best of five. I wish it was scripted, but it's not, folks. This happened naturally. Come watch. Thank you both for joining. This has been episode 11 of the Euphoria Podcast.